Hello and welcome to episode four of the TaylorMade podcast. Fionn here and we have Gavin as usual. Um, so guys, thanks again for listening so far. I can't believe it's four episodes in already, Gavin. Four in already. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start dividing these podcasts up into two parts. So the first part is going to be S&C or fitness or nutrition related questions and, or a topic that we're going to discuss. The second part then, we're actually going to add in a discussion about business because a lot of you are asking about that. Um, so today what we're going to cover is the first part is going to be how to lose body fat and we're going to delve into that and then the second part in is should you run your own business and a little bit about you know why we decided to get into business. So Gav, do you want to kick it off? Cool, yeah. So to start off the S&C section, uh, we're going to delve into the question as to how to lose body fat effectively and what strategy should we implement to do so. Um, that's the phone, yeah. Well spotted. Um, I said I'd start this off. I did a little bit of research on this before starting, just to get some stats, uh, to just put some insight onto the, the, the topic that we're discussing. Uh, so according to the Central Statistics Office, uh, the per- percentage of people classified as overweight or obese in 2015 was 60%. And this figure has actually risen uh, in, in 2017 uh, to 62%. I couldn't actually get the figures for 2018 or 2019 for some it's reason. It's definitely bigger, isn't it? Um, it's probably bigger, um, but I think that's really interesting. Uh, basically, what that's telling us there is that obesity, really, it's, it's on the rise. Yep, and um, people are definitely getting unhealthier, I think. I think so, is it good? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, good for our business. Well, I guess it is good for our business. Maybe we'll touch on that in a second. We will. <laughs> why, why is that, I wonder? I don't know. I think a lot of it, Gavin, is down to lifestyle. Like mm. the way society is now, people have less time because they're spending more time at work and they're spending more time eating convenience foods which aren't generally the best for us. Mm. I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, definitely like the way society has gone. I mean, years and years ago, um, you know, people would have grown up working on more buildings, more farms. Yeah. Um, there was a lot more people running their own business due to farm work or whatever they were doing. Whereas I think nowadays there's a lot more, you know, desk office jobs. Definitely with um, technology as well. Like there's less use for people to be as active. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff we can do on computers on our phones, which means we actually have to move around less. A hundred percent. So yeah. And people like nowadays, you know, years ago, TVs weren't there, radios weren't there. Now now it's all there. People come home from work and they want to sit down in front of the TV instead of going out for a walk or playing sport or having a bit of crack outside. You know. So I think uh, all these things are contributing factors as well. Um, there's also kind of going off, off topic here a little bit. Um, I thought you wanted to stick to the I, I know, I know we have a structure guys, we do have a structure, we are somewhat going to stick to it. Um, there's a good book there called uh, The Health Revolution, you've read it as yeah. well actually. The Wellness Revolution uh, actually. The Wellness Revolution, apologies. Very um, good book. But the book, it kind of talks about how uh, shops and people that sell all these sweets and chocolates and crisps that they do an awful lot of research before they produce these products as to how much sugar, how much fat, and all these things uh, to put into the products to actually get people addicted to these products. Um, so I think a lot of that is a contributing factor as well, yeah. the stuff that people are putting into their bodies. 100%. Yeah, so we'll touch on it in a minute, but definitely it's a combination of lack of movement or lack of exercise or lack of moving around and consuming too many calories from like what you said. You know, products that are convenient in shops that have high, high fat, mm. high sugar, and um, loads of calories, and then couple that with, with not enough movement, you're going to get wet. A hundred percent, yeah, yeah. So to, to actually get back to the structure and actually talk about what we can actually do about this, 
Um, so in terms of obesity or losing body fat, um, you know, I, I think myself and Fionn, we usually recommend three, three different strategies to try and undertake, and we're going to discuss them now. Uh, but number one is a calorie deficit. Uh, number two is strength training. And number three is a sufficient amount of protein intake. Um, so Fionn, do you want to maybe tell the guys maybe what, what is yeah. a calorie deficit? So just to, just to go back there, like a lot of people, they struggle to lose weight. Right, we talk to people like all the time that they find it hard to lose weight, but really losing weight comes down to one thing, and that's uh, the number of calories you're consuming. Right, there is other factors, but they're less than what people think they are. I was actually looking at remember that research study I sent into the group chat last week. It, um, it, they just done some research, oh, basically, um, uh, they basically tested people to see. How, I'm just trying to think, but they tested people to see how many calories or that they thought they were consuming, and it was something like 60 or 70 percent of people, right, who were in this study, and the study was done over a, a large number of people, consumed way more, like hundreds of calories more than they actually documented. Yeah. So, like, that's just massive. Right. And just to jump in there, um, just if some of the listeners aren't too sure, calories is basically the amount of stuff you're putting in your body, the amount of food that you're eating, yeah. that's basically what calories is. So basically, yeah, so just to touch on that, so it, it comes down to number one, calories, uh, how many cons- calories you're consuming, right? So all calories are, are energy that we get from food. So all food that we ingest or consume contains energy, and we track that energy in a form of calories, okay? Um, all food except for water, water is zero calories. So when you consume more calories than so the amount of food, it's something that you ingest, so. Well, I suppose you could have calories in water if you add stuff to it. You could, yeah, absolutely. Um, but back to the point. Um, if you consume more calories than what your body uses in a day, your body stores that excess energy as body fat, generally. Okay. So if you're somebody looking to lose weight, it's quite simple, right? Um, don't be looking at you know your hormones or your thyroid and stuff. Now, there is small little incidences where they come into play, but the vast majority of things comes down to a calorie deficit. Um, and if you're maybe listening to this and you're struggling to lose weight, I promise you, it's probably that you're not in the calorie deficit. Um, if you actually went about it correctly, which we'll talk about in a second, you will lose weight if you're in the calorie deficit for long enough. Anyway. Yes. So, so quite simply, uh, in everyday life, your body needs a certain amount of food, a certain amount of calories to maintain your body weight, uh, just for daily energy, etc. And if you are eating below that, you're in what's called a calorie deficit. If you're eating above that, you're in what's calorie a surplus. Um, a calorie deficit equals weight loss, calorie surplus equals weight gain, or if you're eating bang on that, it's a calorie maintenance. Um, yeah, it really is that simple. Like a lot of people really overcomplicate it. And like we might touch on later on the different nutritional strategies that there is, but they all come down to one thing and that's getting you into a calorie deficit, whether it's you know, Slimming World that you're following, Weight Watchers, uh, Paleo, you know, like ketogenic diet, uh, intermittent fasting, all of these things, if you're looking to lose weight, they just they do one thing in common, and that's get you yeah. into a calorie deficit. That's if, if they work, it's because they have you in a calorie deficit. 100%. Um, so, Fionn, how, how do you go about achieving a deficit? Uh, calorie deficit. Um, it's, it's, it's quite simple, really. You just need to consume less calories than what you're burning, but to do that, you need to have an awareness of food. It's quite easy, like for a woman who burns, let's say, 2,000 calories a day as her basic metabolic rate, it's very easy to go over that. Like you can literally go down to the shop at lunchtime 
get a chicken roll, a bag of potatoes, and a bottle of coke, and you're probably up around a thousand calories. Yeah, hundred percent. Again, a met- your basic metabolic rate. That's what again what your body needs uh, yeah. to maintain your body weight. So eating above that is way. Yeah. Better. So like the easiest way is obviously to find someone to help you if you don't understand nutrition whatsoever. To help you just have a simple program that allows you to get into a deficit. The other thing is maybe having a bit of education, looking on the back of packets, having a general idea. You don't need to be really anal about counting calories to do this. Like it's very, very simple. If you want to go that route, fair enough, but I would only recommend it for people who are really getting into contest prepping and stuff. Um, You just have to really be educated on what you're consuming and know that it's very, very easy to go over the amount of calories that you need. Yeah, yeah. I think just to kind of touch on that, um, counting calories, my, my fitness pal is a great app and no doubt it does work. Um, some people find it great, uh, some people don't. Fionn, you use it a couple of times. Yeah, I use it. Um, uh, I use it. I, I quite like it. Like For me, uh, I generally eat the same things every day. Like Not as in the exact same meals, but generally speaking, from day to day, my nutrition doesn't vary too much. Like I have the same breakfast, roughly the same snacks, roughly the same lunch. So I have a fair idea of the, of the amount of food I'm consuming. And if my weight is starting to creep up, well then I know I need to I need to cut something out. Yeah. Um, if I'm losing weight and I don't want to lose weight, then I need to just make my meals a little bit bigger. That's the way I operate at the moment. I used to be big on counting calories, but to be honest with you, I don't think personally it's sustainable long term to count calories every single day because I think it becomes a bit of a chore. Um, I know a lot of maybe PTs might disagree with me on that one, but for your general population people, I think you know if you want to track calories and use MyFitnessPal just to get an education for a couple of weeks on what's actually in foods. I think that's a great a great idea. And then when you have a grasp of it, I think it's really easy to just uh, make your meals a little bit bigger if you want to gain, or make your meals a little bit smaller if you want to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you, like the first thing, it actually goes back to what we discussed on another podcast, is about having structure in your week, in your training week, but also in your nutrition. So like, if you're somebody that has like no plan whatsoever, and you wake up and your whole day's worth of nutrition is just winged, like, you know, you've no set breakfast, you've no set lunch, it's just winging it, well, you're definitely going to have a hard time losing weight if that's your goal. So I would say set some sort of a daily structure where you have a breakfast, you have set snacks, you have a lunch. It doesn't have to be the exact same meals every day. But once it's within you know, some form of a framework of structure, it's very easy then to say, right, I'm not losing weight on my current nutrition plan. I need to make my meals smaller or I need to cut out one of those snacks or I need to just reduce the amount of food I'm eating. That's another strategy as well as using my fitness pal. So whatever works. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's a good point there about uh, having a bit of a structure, like knowing in and around what you're eating each day, um, because it does make things quite easy. Uh, it gives you good control if you're eating around the same things every day. I know personally, I've tried the whole my fitness pal thing, counting calories. I never really liked using it. As I said, it does work. I just, as Fionn said, I've seen it as a chore. Um, but many times. I would try to either gain a few pounds or lose a few pounds, and I actually find it quite easy to do so. And my strategy is quite simple. I just, you know, I eat my foods every day. Um, I, I, you know, kind of the same foods every day, really. If I'm trying to gain weight, I'll start weighing myself every day. If I'm trying to lose weight, I'll do the same. I'll weigh myself every day. I'll just make sure throughout the space of a week or two that the weight is going in the right direction. And if it's not, I'll either add more food or take away more food, depending on the strategy I'm trying to achieve. But really, it works the same way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely, Like if you're brand new to this and you have no idea how many calories you consume in a day and you're struggling to lose weight, I would say use MyFitnessPal for a week or two and log everything that you put into your mouth. Just make sure that the quantities are correct. 
and you probably get a bit, bit of a shock, you know, to how many calories you actually are consuming. And then I would just go about reducing it from there um, and just getting yourself into a deficit. There's loads of little calculators online to find out what your BMR is, which is basically how many calories your body burns a day. And all you need to do is eat less than that. So just, just a little side note, um, and I know we're really delving into things on this podcast, but I think it's, it's worth doing. Yeah. Uh, 3,500 calories is one pound of fat. So one pound of fat on your body is the store of energy, okay? It's the store of 3,500 calories of energy. So if you want to lose a pound of fat over a week, over seven days, okay? So 3,500 divided by seven is 500. So if you're, as long as you get into a, a deficit of minus 500, if that makes sense, over the course of seven days, and you don't have a little binge or anything, you will, in theory, lose a pound of fat. It's literally that so, easy. Um, it's literally that easy, yeah. Yeah, super. Um, yeah, so I'll get on to point number two. So number one was a calorie deficit. I think uh, we've gone through that in good detail. Um, number two, then, uh, what I'm talking about is strength training. Um, so Fionn, for you, what is, obviously in TaylorMade Fitness here, we're big advocates for strength training. Um, what do you consider strength training? Yeah, so actually, it's just, I just taught something while you said strength training. So strength training can mean different things to different people, right? So to me and you, because we are quite athletic, we're already... Am um, I? Well, I think that. <laughs> Thanks, got the, you. have got the cast. Thanks, uh, I appreciate that. Um, like, we're already quite athletic. We're generally quite, uh, relatively strong in the gym, I would say. So for us, strength training would be, you know... Um, lifting something that's considerably heavy for us. But for somebody who's untrained, strength training could just be high box squats or bodyweight squats. So it's overloading your body from, you know, getting stronger from where you are. So anything where you're using resistance uh, in different exercises, that's what I would consider strength training. Um, and then I'll, I'll, we'll touch on what do you think now in a second, but um, why strength training should be the foundation of your, of your exercise regime is because um, although you're getting stronger, you're actually burning more calories while you're in here. You know, if you go and do a run, you're obviously going to burn a few calories while you're running, um, but you generally won't burn any calories when you stop running for the next two or three days. Whereas strength training is a little bit different because when you're in the gym, you're obviously using energy to lift weights and whatnot to get stronger. But because you cause you know, a little bit of microscopic damage to your muscles and your, your body has to repair in order to either build lean tissue or get stronger over time, you're actually burning calories for you know the next day and the day after. So there's quite a, a, a good response in terms of calorie burning. So that's why I would highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, hard to argue with that. Uh, just on that note there, because I know it's um, a common belief that um, doing cardio, as a lot of people call it, or aerobic training, is a more effective approach of losing uh, body fat or losing body weight. And a lot of people think that they have to run all these miles to lose body weight. Um, not, not necessarily at all. Um, a big thing about, although if you were to compare strength training to, I'm kind of backtracking here a little bit, but if you were to compare strength training to aerobic training, uh, you will find that aerobic training during the session, it'll actually burn more calories than the strength training. But another really key point about strength training, not only are you burning calories after the session, uh, but on top of this, when you go running or when you're losing weight, when you're in a calorie deficit, because you've got to be in the calorie deficit first, when we are in a calorie deficit, we can lose muscle mass. Uh, we don't actually want to lose muscle mass uh, because this has, a, yeah, very, this has a negative impact on our metabolism as well, uh, which, we, which again, the higher our metabolism, the easier it is to sustain any weight that we lose. 
the best way to preserve our muscle mass while we're in a calorie deficit, in fact, probably the only way, I think it's probably fair to say, the only way to preserve our muscle mass when we're in a calorie deficit is through strength training. And if you do this, and if you achieve this through your calorie deficit, adding the strength training to preserve that muscle mass, um, you're, it's actually going to be a lot more sustainable. Because if you lose a lot of body weight, and maybe, I don't know, some of it is fat, but also some of it is muscle, it's, it's not all body fat then. And it's, it's a lot, because you've lost some muscle mass, and it's had a negative impact on your metabolism, it's going to be a lot easier for you to put that weight on again in the long run. So that's why I think strength training is so important uh, for losing body fat. In the short run, it may not burn as much calories as aerobic training or circuit training. But also, again, just from a physique point of view, like a lot of people that come into the gym with physique goals, mm. as in losing body fat, getting a certain shape, um, you know, you actually want to, to keep as much muscle on your frame as oh, you can, because that actually gives you quite a good look. Like if you, if you just, you know, lose a load of fat and lose a load of muscle, like it's generally not really what people would consider a look that they would like to have. So just to, to back up, like kind of what you're saying, if you maintain or even, you know, build a little bit of muscle and then drop your body fat down, down by being in the deficit, it generally gives people the physique that they're looking for. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, good, good stuff. No, I think you kind of covered it there. Strength training, um, you know, making sure that you're um, against a little bit of resistance. Uh, here in TaylorMade, we, we focus a lot here, obviously, on free weight, body weight movements, um, stuff like that. So you can do strength training anywhere, and it's going to help movements like squats. Um, you know, if you're at home, you're not in the gym, you're doing push-ups, whatever it is, good to add a little bit of strength training to your exercise regimen. Um, and it'll really help you along with your fat loss related uh, results. So there's the first two guys, being a calorie deficit and you know, strength, training. strength training. Number two, our third point then Gavin is protein intake. Protein intake. Um, so like Gavin said, to preserve as much muscle tissue while you're in the deficit is the goal. So you need to one, uh, you know, lift weights or do some form of resistance or strength training. But the third point would be make sure that you're consuming adequate protein, okay? Um, so I would recommend, you know, if you're relatively lean and not very overweight, I would say one gram of protein per pound of body weight is a good, a good goal to have. Obviously, if you're ca carrying <coughs> quite a lot of body fat, um, you know, you don't need as much protein because a lot of that weight is actual fat. So something of maybe 0.8 grams per pound of body weight in that instance. But, you know, anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is good. Um, if you're you know, not too overweight, I would say just go for one gram per pound of body weight. So what that means is if I'm 14 stone, 196 pounds, I aim for roughly 196 grams of protein a day. Um, if you don't know how much protein is in you know, different foods and you, know, you, you don't know really where to start, using MyFitnessPal is a great way. Google has, like, if you ever want to know anything, go onto YouTube or Google because you can find yeah. it out. Uh, but just to give you an example, like one chicken breast might have about 35 grams of protein. So if you've, you know, chicken breast for lunch and for dinner, they're 70 grams. I'm just under halfway to my daily intake. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if, if, if you find that confusing, certain amount of grams of this per this body weight, um, you know, just, just aim to have a little bit of protein with each meal. So for breakfast, I know you might have eggs, whatever it is. Um, later on when you're having lunch, you might add chicken to it, whatever it is. 
I'll try and add a little bit of protein to each meal. I think that will really help as well as opposed to having just a meal that's, I don't know, completely just, I don't know, spuds or just bread with nothing yeah. in it. That kind of way. I think that can and another really thing help to the protein well. is I don't think people realise how much protein they actually need. Like, I would say 80 or 90% of people I talk to consume way under their protein requirements. Mm. Um, like, I spoke to a girl the other day and she was like, oh, I have loads of protein, I have two eggs. Right? And she probably needs 150 grams a day. And one egg has seven grams, so it's fourteen grams out of two eggs, which is nearly—it's tiny yeah, compared to what that, that is very common, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, consume enough protein. So there are your, your three bits. Uh, just to wrap up that little little bit. So the best way to lose body fat is one, being a calorie deficit. Uh, number two, strength or resistance training, and number three, consume adequate protein. Like if you just do those basics. You will, it will account for 99% of your, your physique, your uh, body composition goals. Yeah, 100%. Um, so yeah, control, control your calories, um, add a bit of strength training, consume enough protein. And another point, sorry, I'm backtracking there to where we were on protein. Another point about protein and why it really helps uh, with people that are looking for fat loss related results is out of, within food, there's three what they call macronutrients, three different types of foods, carbohydrates, fats, and protein. And it so happens that eating protein, alcohol. alcohol, alcohol as well. Can't forget the few beers. Apologies, Phil. Thanks for backing me up there. But anyways, so the three different types of food, four different types of food, alcohol, carbohydrates, fat, and I'm protein. I'm joking about the alcohol. And Don't consume alcohol, <laughs> kids. It so happens that uh, protein actually keeps us a lot fuller, uh, that we will feel more full and satisfied after eating foods that are high in protein. Uh, than carbs or fats. 100%. Um, so that's why it, it's, it's a really good strategy because we want a strategy that we can sustain. If we feel starving, we're not going to sustain that strategy, so it's not going to be effective in losing fat loss. By adding extra protein to our diet, to our nutrition, uh, we will feel fuller and it's going to be a strategy that we can maintain so we don't feel starved. And I think that's really important as well, that whatever nutrition strategy you pick, um, that you make sure it's something that you're able to sustain as well. It's not just a little crash diet or something like that. Mm. Do you, will we just touch on the way you eat and the way I eat and what we find works for us? Yeah, 100%. So what we, like, how many times a day do you eat? Why do you eat that way? Do you know, talk about being full, just what works for you? Yeah. Because like, like, there's loads of, of strategies, right? It, uh, you know, whether, like, there's a few here you've written out, like, you know, Slimming World, Weight Watchers, Paleo, yeah. Intermittent Fasting, but they all bring you into a deficit. But just, you know, we'll talk about what me and you do. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I eat, geez, I, I don't even track it that much, but I'd say I eat about five or six times a day. Eat more than um, that. Yeah, maybe I do eat more than that. Um, we actually, we utilize the Herbalife Nutrition products quite a lot. Um, as Fionn was saying there, all these methods work. Uh, they're just a way of basically getting either a calorie deficit or a surplus, depending on what our goals are, and making sure that we get enough protein intake. So in my case, I do a lot of strength training, so it's quite important to me that I make sure I get a lot of protein intake. I love the Herbalife products, uh, simply because I can do up a smoothie for myself within two minutes and it's got how many grams of protein is having yet? You can literally make it up. I think the one I have is like 33 or something. Yeah. So you can, based, based with the different products that we have, uh, we can manipulate how much protein we want in those products. Um, so really, really convenient. And as well as this, Taste it takes, good. yeah, it tastes good. <laughs> I'm, I, everybody who knows me knows I'm absolutely useless at cooking and all these types of things. So the biggest thing for us is the convenience. Yeah. Um, I'm the same as you guys, like I'm not a great prep man, I know there's probably loads of people that you see on Instagram and they mm. prep all the meals, I used to be like that, I just find, you know, being a, uh, having your own business, being very busy, I have a family at home, 
um, you know, I don't have the time. Not that I don't have the time. I don't have the desire to spend my time in the kitchen yeah. prepping. So literally what I do is I have my lunch and my dinner, right, which is probably, you know, 80-ish grams of protein between those two meals. And I literally fill the rest of my day with either Herbalife shakes yeah. or uh, snacks, protein bars, that type of thing, because it suits me. So I literally have, you know, I have a shake in the morning, I'd have a snack in the morning, something like a Greek yogurt protein bar, something on the go. I'd have a lunch, I'll have a second shake around four o'clock because it suits me, I'll have a dinner in the evening, and then I might have something in the evening like protein porridge or maybe even another smoothie. Do you know, it's, it's interesting, we won't get into this today, but uh, a lot of PTs would actually argue with us uh, on that. <laughs> uh, but what's funny is we're actually doing exactly what they'd recommend. Uh, the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, we won't get into it now, but we like, might get into it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Actually, but, uh, we will get into yeah, it. I'm we will get into it. But like, there's, you know, <laughs> PTs recommend people to take, you know, a whey protein after training. We just take a Herbalife protein shake. Yeah. A lot yeah, of PTs yeah. have, you know, they mix in whey protein into their breakfast. Yeah. And to be honest with you, we like, just have a smoothie to do that first. The reason why, just we're going way off. But the reason why we partner with that company, Herbalife Nutrition, is because I actually agree with all the nutrition philosophies. Like it fits right in, like finding something that's convenient, that fits around lifestyle, that gets you into a deficit, that educates you on protein, carbs, fats, fiber, vitamins, minerals, drink loads of water, happy days. Yeah, and we don't claim that it's, it's the only way. It's just one method of achievement. I've, I've actually had a conversation with a lady, uh, Lorraine, in the gym here uh, during the week, and we were talking about, uh, she's on about different Instagram people trying to sell different diets and stuff like this. Uh, but what's interesting, is they're all just trying to achieve the, the same thing. It's just different methods of achieving that. And what they're trying to achieve is either a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus, depending on whether they're trying to lose weight or gain weight, and they're just introducing, you know, what their strategy is of doing so. And that's, that's all Listen, it is. Whatever works. Yeah, you know, whatever, if you're whatever losing weight, you're doing great, keep going. If you're struggling, re-look at those three things. Calorie deficit, strength training, protein intake, job done. A hundred percent. Man, Gab. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, just on that, I just have one more, one more little statistic here. Yeah, that's just a message there on my phone. No, no, uh, this is my time. Oh, yeah, come on. Oh, yeah, cool. So just a little statistic here. I'll actually read this one out to make sure that I, I get all the stats in it right. Um, but basically, I was researching on a study. I actually heard this study at, a, I think it was a one, at one of the Herbalife events. Uh, and I said I had to find it myself, find the exact stats in it. Um, but it's basically on taking a journey. If you undertake a journey, be it fitness, health related, whatever it is, if you undertake a journey um, with a friend or a family member or somebody for, with so, for social support, that you are far more likely uh, to achieve your goals than if you undertake that journey alone. And this study, it's actually a study from back, all the way back in 1999, and the study name was Benefits of Recruiting Participants with Friends and Social Support for weight loss and maintenance. Uh, this was a 16-week study comparing weight loss between individuals who took a journey alone in comparison uh, to those who undertook a journey with social support. And the journey in this case was actually weight loss. Uh, those who undertook the journey with social support had less dropout. 76% uh, of people who undertook the journey with social support, so a friend or a family member, completed the study um, first, sorry, apologies, 76% of the people who undertook the study alone uh, completed the study versus 95% of those who undertook the study with social support um, actually completed the study. Uh, Post-study, of those who completed the study, 24% uh, of those who undertook the study alone actually maintained a weight loss 
versus 66% of those who had social support. And, and this is quite interesting. Uh, I, I really loved reading the study. You can tell, Gab, that you um, love studies. What I really liked about this study is um, before we opened up uh, TaylorMade Health and Fitness, I'm going a little bit off topic here again, but before we opened up TaylorMade Health and Fitness, we were actually talking to, um, we were researching different uh, business models uh, for gyms and trying to see what fitted right with us. And one of the guys that we were talking to was a man named Robert Lincoln. Uh, he's over in America. He did an S&C conference over here uh, with Satanta College. Um, so we, we actually got in contact with him. He's run a successful business over in America. And his business is small group training. And the big thing that he said to us uh, that really hit home with me is that by training as part of a community, in a community structure, that the people within the community, they're getting far better results than training as, a, you know, one-to-one -one with a so coach. Just, actually, that's a good point, because when sometimes when people come into us or they message us on Instagram and they're looking to, you know, talk about our services, they're all just looking for one-to-one -one PT, one-to-one mm. -one personal training. And we don't actually provide one-to-one -one training. And uh, I suppose the point that we want to get across is, and like this isn't taken from any personal trainers who, you know... No, not at all. If your business is one-to-one, -one, you know, to stay doing what you're doing, but for us, um, the reason why we don't do one-to-one -one training is because number one, one-to-one uh, -one personal training we feel is not sustainable from a financial point of view for customers, right? Because it's you know you have to charge quite a lot per hour. Yeah. Um, whereas what we're doing with the small group training, because we can bring the cost down as opposed to one-to-one -one PT, you can actually stay doing it long term. So that's the first point. The second point is like what Gavin was just talking about. You actually get better results when you come in and you get, you know, you meet other people, you might know the people in the group, but you, you develop friendships and you're all there to support each other, you're all on the same journey. People actually love it. You know, once they come in and start doing it, they, they love it. 100%, yeah, 100%. I, I used to do the one to one uh, person training. Uh, a good advantage of the one to one person training is obviously uh, you can see a lot more of what one individual is doing than several individuals. However, when people come to the gym with friends, with family members, they hold each other accountable, and we see it here all the time. Uh, the sessions are better cracked, they're having more fun in the community environment, and they're driving each other on as well. Uh, so it's fa fantastic to see, and this, this is why we set up the, the small group train model, and we're fortunate enough that it's, it's been working out as planned uh, in that manner. We'll be leading to then, the, we'll, kinda, we'll lead now into the second half of the podcast about the business side, you know, Perfect, in yeah. terms of... Because um, a lot of people are actually, I actually didn't think too many people would be interested in this, but we're getting loads of questions on it. So we're going to delve into why we see this and developed it as a business model and where we think we can go with it and how we find this better than a one to one model. Will we delve into that? Perfect. Yeah. Oh, do you want to just wrap up that last um, Yeah, so uh, that wraps up the SC topic for today. So uh, we'll get on here, as Fiona was saying, to the business topic today. Um, as always, guys, you know, if you have any questions, fitness related, training related, SNC related, nutrition related, uh, you know, message them in. We put up a little poll there on Instagram as well, or leave a comment below the video or whatever, um, because we only love to, to hear what you guys want to know and base a lot of this content on what you guys are looking for. Um, so today's uh, the business section, uh, we're going to go into, we're actually going to go through uh, why we started in business and why we love uh, being in business. And hopefully, um, the, the hope for this. I love talking about. I this. love talking about this too. Uh, but the hope for this is that the other people watching this can relate to this, 
and it can help answer a question, uh, should you open your own business? So we might have maybe some other, other people listen to this, maybe you're a PT, uh, maybe you're in college, maybe you're thinking of opening your own gym, maybe you're just thinking of opening your own business, and hopefully maybe this is some stuff that you can relate to, and you know, is opening a business a good option for you? Um, so, Fionn, hmm. why did you get involved in business? I think, I was thinking about this when, when we were prepping for it. Um, I actually think I got into business, I kind of evolved into it, mm. if that makes sense. Like, I don't think I, you know, when, when I started, I don't think I could fully think we would be running what we're running now, if I'm honest, right? Mm. So, from an early age, I definitely had, you know, this idea that um, I was going to do quite well financially. I always had ambition to do um, better financially, you know, I was always looking at different people, working at different jobs, and this isn't to take away from anybody, this is just how, this is my story and how I see things and how I felt. Um, so I was always working, you know, throughout when I was in school, when I was in college, and then after college I was working full time. And my first experience of business was actually when I launched my physical therapy business um, in July 2013, which was six years ago. Um, and to be honest with you, I didn't really see it as a business. I saw it as maybe a side gig to my full time job. And to be honest, looking at it now, like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I actually don't see a sole trader one, like if you are the business, I actually don't see that as a business now. I just see that as you own a yeah. job, to be honest. Like a business is, to me now, is something that you can, you can operate using other people's time so you can have a little bit of leverage and a bit of freedom for yourself. When you're, this is the way I see it, when you're a one-to-one -one PT or a one-to-one -one physio or a sole trader, you don't really have a business, you own a job. That's a good point, sorry to jump in across oh, there, um, and we'll probably touch on this topic maybe on another day in the business section. Um, but there's some good books out there by Robert Kiyosaki, and it's kind of what Fiona's getting at there. And Robert Kiyosaki has basically, if you can imagine, four quadrants. We pretend I'm drawn here. He's four quadrants uh, where people can earn an income from. And the first one is where you know where most people are and where most of us start, and that's the E quadrant, uh, which is being an employee. And the downside of the employee is you're trading your time for your money. Um, and you're working for somebody else to develop their and, and it's actually the highest taxed quadrant. Highest taxed. Like a lot of people don't, like I've only learned this over the last few years. Like, so what Gavin's talking about is there's four different ways to earn an, earn an income and the one I, was, I started in was an employee like most yes. of us, but it's the highest taxed. 100%, yeah. Um, and then do you want to go on to the second one? Yeah, well, the second one is just uh, the S quadrant, uh, which is sole trader or specialist. Um, so that's what Fiona's talking about, about owning a job. I used to own a job as well when I was a PT. Um, you know, basically, if I broke a leg, I'm gone, the business is gone, I don't earn any money. So for that business to operate, I have to be there, I have to put in the hours all the time. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the quadrant, so that's the E and the S, and then on the other side, uh, they have what they call a big business, um, which is basically a business that is able to operate with or without you. So if you broke a leg or if you to go away on holidays, you're, you're, you still earn an income. Mm -hmm. um, your money's still going into your account. It's, it's, there's less tax in it as well. The sole trader is highly taxed as well. Uh, big business wouldn't be as heavy as uh, taxed as the sole trader. And then the last quadrant then is the investor, which is people who generally already have money and they from use- From a business usually. From a business usually. Well, the best way to earn money as an investor is having excess cash, as they say, and being able to put that into investments that give you a return. Yeah, um, yeah so I hope that makes sense. But basically, like Gavin was saying, I was in the E quadrant as an employee, uh, didn't really understand what Gavin just explained. That was that came a little bit later. Um, 
then moved into the S quadrant as a self-employed physiotherapist. And then through reading books like uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, I read a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Um, and it just talks about you know, scale and how to, how to scale what you have so that it becomes bigger. You use other employees and different things so that you have some freedom and some leverage. So what we've done when myself and Gavin met as two self-employed people to develop what we have now as TaylorMade, and we're really only starting you know, what we see that's going to be developed over the next five or ten years, but we're now, developing, we're now developing a big business where we build a system whereby we can hire other people to work within the system and it gives us some freedom. Um, so freedom is the other thing, and the other thing then is scale. Um, so I really came into business, number one, because I had aspirations of uh, making more in terms of finances. So if it was just me, there's only so much I can make because there's only so many hours I can work in the week. So if I'm trading my time for an hourly rate, I'm eventually going to get capped in my earnings. But if I transfer over my mind, people operating, um, the business can get much bigger, the cash flow can get much bigger, my income can get much bigger, and the freedom element of it is there. So that's kind of why I came into business. Yeah, do you want to... Touch on yours, or is it similar enough? Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, sim similar story. Um, only I didn't last too long in the, in the E quadrant, in the employee quadrant. Um, I think most of the reason why I'm in business as well, a lot of it is uh, I had no other choice. Um, I found out pretty soon in the working world that I'm pretty much unemployable. I would agree. Um, yeah, apparently so. Um, so I would have grown up, and I know we kind of touched on this yes, in our opening video, but I'd have grown up working on farms. Um, through my teenage years, I worked on the farm lot, I worked on building sites, jobs like that. Um, and what I found when I kind of was in college, I didn't really have an actual job too much. I used to go around working for different people, building stone walls, doing loads of shitty work really. I suppose in a way I kind of was a little bit of a sole trader, uh, but didn't really see it that way at the time. Um, then I suppose I got a, I did get a job over a summer. It was quite funny actually because I was I had a wedding there two weeks ago. And my sister was at it, and so happened the job that I was doing. She, my sister, was my supervisor, and my sister said to me that Disaster. I was an absolute nightmare. She said to me, "You're off your nightmare." I know. Yeah, I'm improving though, Fiona, aren't I? Getting there, guys. I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. My ability to take directions is great, um, but I am getting there. Even uh, running a business, it, it is actually important. Um, but it's something I'm working on. But anyways, uh, my sister said I was an absolute nightmare to work with. Anytime she gave me something to do, I would tell her, oh no, but it's better to do it this way. No, Gavin, but the boss has told me to tell you to do it this way. Ah, yeah, but I'll do it this way. And yeah, so there was a lot of arguments there. I can imagine. Um, when I finished college, got my first job, I got fired from it. Uh, six months later, I got another job, or seven months, I think. I got another job in another gym. Uh, didn't get on too well with management there, um, so I up and left. At which point I set up my sole trader business. And where did your like mindset develop into developing a bigger business? I think actually I read that book that I was talking about that goes through those four quadrants. It's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, probably the biggest the book that had the biggest impact on my life. And I was reading this book, and when I was reading this book, I realised, Jesus, I'm I'm in the, the S quadrant. I used to be an employee. I got fired because I like to do things my own way, um, which is a key characteristics of somebody in the S quadrant. And then I, when I was in that S quadrant, so the small business or the sole trader, uh, trading your, your time for your money, uh, when I was in that quadrant and just constantly you know, hammering away, putting in hours, putting in hours, doing PT, really enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but I realized that I'm completely capped. 
I can't progress any further than where I am now. The only thing I can do is add more hours to my day. I can add more hours to my day. Um, so all I can do is fit in as much sessions as I possibly can. And that's the only way I'm going to earn more money. It's the only way I'm going to progress further. Um, but really, in my mind, I, I, you know, I had a bigger vision than that. Yeah. And um, I, I think most people realize that like, from like, the financial upside of running your own business is, is there. But I think a lot of people are scared. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are scared to take the, I suppose they, they see it as, a, I was even talking about that last week, and they see it as a risk starting your own business. And I suppose it's just how you're set up in your, in your own head. Like, to be honest, I see staying in, this isn't to, you know, yeah. offend anybody who wants to live their life that way. But just for me personally, I actually see it as a risk staying in a job that, you know, I'm not fully fulfilled in. Like, so for me to, to take the risk to, to go into business and start my own thing, it wasn't really a risk, yeah. you know. So... Um, yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of the time I speak to people who have aspirations of running their own business and what stops them is fear. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just if I can give people who are maybe on the fence about, you know, they're maybe in a job and they have this idea, I would say, like when I said at the start, I kind of evolved into business. Dip your toe, you know, start something on the side. You can always work in the evenings and weekends around your current job and build something up you know, over a year or two or three or four or five years until it's at a stage where it's not so much of a risk then to do it full time. And to be honest with you, that's what I did. I was working full time, set up my physio business. I was then involved to, um, I was then introduced to Herbalife Nutrition um, and that's a completely different animal altogether. I learned so much in terms of scale and business from that. And then I eventually, you know, left the job and expanded business until where we are now. So. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I, I love about business, uh, those who know me know I, I, I can be a bit of a control freak sometimes. I like things to hear. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Um, I like things to be done in a certain way. Um, but what I really like is, you know, I can create this vision of, you know, what I want to achieve and what impact I want to have on the world. I can create this vision and I'm the one that's in control of it. I'm fully responsible for it. I can't blame anybody else for it. I'm responsible blame of, me. I can blame you, I'm yeah, blame yeah. You. Well, you blame me too, so. <laughs> nah. But um, I can, you know, I can't blame anyone. It's solely down to me whether if I achieve my vision or not. Um, you know, if I got a job, I could get fired from it in the morning. That's the way I look. To me, that's risky. Um, yeah. if, I, if I'm a sole trader, I trade my time for my money, I break my leg, uh, you know, it's, it's all up. That, that to me is risky. I'd rather be able to control my own business as opposed to somebody else creating business. I help them, you know, I, I'm creating their vision, not my vision. But as well as that, I'm really the one at risk because they're the ones in control. If they want to fire me, they can. If their company doesn't work out or, you know, things are getting bad, who's the first that's going to go? You know, it, they're going to cut out their staff. They're going to get rid of me. Um, so personally, I see that as risky. Um, Mm. I'd rather be in control of a business myself than have somebody else control a business for me. I suppose people are just different programmed differently, aren't they? We're, yeah. we're kind of, I, we're blessed that the two of us are quite strong-willed and you know, we want to do things our own way and we, we don't really want to work for anybody else. Um, and I know there's loads of people out there that are quite happy working for other people. And that's, you know, whatever makes you happy in life. Oh, 100%. We're, we're yeah. not here like, yeah. you know, trying to you know, say that we're better than anybody else or anything. It's completely down to whatever makes you happy. But definitely if you're unhappy in your current situation, yeah. I think it's maybe worth looking at. And do you know what? We'd only love to, you know, you know, 
offer whatever value we can to people. So if you are like in a position where you know, you're in a full-time job and you absolutely hate it and you, you have an idea, don't be afraid to drop us a message and we can maybe even bring you on this podcast and have a discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good point there, Phil, made is like, uh, you know, if you're happy doing what you're doing, if you're happy being um, a sole trainer or happy being an employee, uh, whatever it is, all power to you. Uh, you know, there's, there's disadvantages of owning a big business too as well. Huge. I mean, yeah. you could have a business partner you don't like or, you know, all these sorts of things like you, you just don't know. Uh, but no, on a serious note, like... <laughs> Um, when, when you run a business, like there's going to be times where you have to put in extra hours, and you know it, it can be it, that can be tough, especially if you have a family and stuff like that. Uh, but then again, you know you could flip the you know the flip side of that is you could also in time have more time for your family yep. and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there's pros and there's cons. And that's something we both uh, experienced way, over last you know? year. Like you know, even when we opened, like we were clocking in 60, 70, 75 hour work yeah. weeks, but. And some weeks we still do, like, don't get us wrong. Yeah, but like, it actually, now it's, as, as businesses start to go, you know, a little bit better, we're in 15, 16 months, we actually have more freedom now than we yeah. do as sole traders, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, A lot of the time we work just because we like being here. Mm. Um, you know, we, we could get a, get away with being here less if we wanted, but, you know, we like, you know, obviously we're passionate about doing what we're doing. And I think uh, a, key, a key thing uh, for success in any business is having... Um, and some business owners would probably argue, argue with me in this, but having passion uh, for what you're doing and not just setting up a business for the sake of it or because you think it's yeah. going to be profitable. I personally think having passion for it, it just makes it so much more exciting, uh, which makes it you know, a much easier road. Perfect. Um, so yeah, no, on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. Yep. Uh, hope you got some value. Um, as always, guys, message us uh, on Instagram, Facebook, email, whatever, if you have any topics or questions that you'd like us to discuss. Um, something I didn't say at the start, we are on iTunes, oh, yeah. SoundCloud, Spotify and YouTube. Um, let us know Thanks, please, well done, Paul. let us know in the comments please or let us know wherever uh, where you listen to us most so we, we know where to kind of focus our stuff. So other than that, thanks very much for us guys. Thanks a million guys, check to you all next week.